Blog Talk Radio.
Listen, have you been right at the point of ready? Perfect shoes, perfect dress, perfect hair, perfect makeup, and you look a fool. Well, we're going to stop all that right now. Kevin Foster is the person for you. Aside from him being able to travel to you, being known for his white tape series, he offers a unique experience that's very, very inexpensive. It'll be worth the money that you spend. Prices start at $125. If you would like an appointment with Kevin, call 770-407-9025 to set an appointment. Tell him that the Emperor sent you. It's Instagram, Facebook, or on KFOS Photography. Tell him the Emperor sent you. The Empire is a place where I talk, you talk, but everybody gets to talk. It's where you can speak openly, honestly, and without worry or hesitation about being politically correct. It's your forum to discuss what matters to you and to me. Individual expressions are boring and they can create nothing but a monologue. Who wants to know all about just me? I want to know about you. So if you want to tell it like it is, the empire is where it's going to go down. Check Facebook or my website for show times and days as those days and times may change. For more information, contact me at EmpressCooperDavison at gmail.com or by my website at www.TheEmpress.com for when the empire speaks, the empress listen. People still know how to do this. Hi, Empire. Hi, this is the Empress, and I am back uh, tonight's show. We're going to delve into some of the issues that we're seeing in the news, and I do appreciate those of you who have been avid listeners and running this toe with me with my personal endeavors for talk radio. It's been a passion of mine forever, and I've been away uh, for about a month and a half having to have uh, funeralized my mother, and I first want to start the show by thanking uh, several groups of people shouts out, I guess you could say, to uh, different sets of people who have just uh, been, uh, went a little bit above and beyond to make sure that the Empress was okay. And uh, for some of you who don't know, I lost my mother June the 30th of uh, this year. It was a very unexpected loss. And uh, it was it's something that's still, you know, very difficult for me to even articulate because it was something that just happened. It was something that uh, uh, my mother was not sick. She was not ill. She was very much full of life, and it was just time. Um, it had me at a place where I literally lost my voice. I literally could not speak for a while, and then once I was able to speak, I just didn't know if I would have the same passion and impact that I started with uh, that I wanted to have uh, with regard to the show because it death brings along with life, uh, you know, being born and, and dying are the beginnings and the endings of an, uh, an eternity that we don't know about and uh, that we're left here to wonder and ponder about. And because I do know uh, that no one is meant here forever, it just never is something I don't think that you can prepare for. Uh, people from everywhere um, were uh, so kind, uh, gave words of encouragement, and even in those times I was not, 
um, and still am not like able to kind of really grasp how final things are because, again, I don't think that death is something that you can prepare for, but certainly when people are not well, people are uh, ill, or there's a severity of the ability to care for yourself, I think there's a little bit of an anticipation that you grow to be comfortable with, but because my mother was none of those things for her to leave in uh, such an abrupt and um, you know, blindsided type of way, it kind of took me off my feet. It almost, um, I would say, enfolded me in a place that was just comfortable, just being, you know, uh, hurting, uh, being full of pain. Those things um, in the last five years of my life were some of the personal spaces that I had been in and I was able to share with my mom and becoming a friend to my mom and she a friend to me, it was just very hard to lose her after having gained such a level of uh, understanding and giving and a back and forth. Uh, She was truly my friend more than just my mom. She was, uh, and I, I, I would not even probably have had those words to say maybe 20 years ago or maybe even 10 years ago, but definitely in the last four or five years of my life, I have just grown so, I had grown so really close to her. So that loss was really sudden. But the thing about death is that uh, once it's done on that particular plane, in that physical plane, some of the things that I even counsel and tell people about, I had to counsel myself. I, you know, like I said, I didn't have a voice, so I couldn't really speak uh, for a while. So I had to hear the things that I would say um, to other people about loss and telling them that life is not all in uh, involved in death that you have to remember the times that you've had. And I am so grateful that I took that to heart with regard to my mom in particular, but with many people in in my life. And, you know, like I said, last several years of my life, this show actually was born out of part of that metamorphosis. My mom knew that I had the show. Actually, the last time she was here, I broadcast here, and she critiqued me. She told me I was a bit of a racist. (laughs) She told me that I didn't have a lot of tolerance for different things and that I needed to be a lot more open to hearing people from where they're coming from. Um, But some of the things that I uh, attribute to my strength came from, I think, some attributes in my mom herself. She's just a truthful person, Um, and sometimes the truth does hurt. She's a caring and a strong person, and she was determined to pursue what made uh, the truth evident and what also was uh, fair to everyone. There were so many people at her homegoing services that I didn't get to see everybody and I didn't, I can't, you know, it's different things and situations that have happened since that make me look backwards and think of different things. But um, um, I know that this is just the beginning to, you know, the rest of my life. I do know that the perfect order of how life should unfold is that your parents should leave you here. No parent wants to leave their child. And one of the things that she actually said to me um, years ago, and 
I, I won't even say recently, but we would we, we had a lot of loss in our family over the last probably 10, 12 years. She lost her mom and sister prior to her leaving me. Uh, and, and her going through those processes, we were able to have open dialogue about a lot of different things, death being one of those things. And she told me that she did not want for uh, myself or my sisters to prolong her leaving this stage of life. She understood totally that life was a gift. And she also said that um, all she needed to know was that I was okay and that the kids were okay and that her daughters were okay and that we were a unified uh, front when it came to life and life situations that will come between ourselves and our children, that she would be fine and that she did not want uh, uh, to die painfully And God saw fit And I say God because I do believe in him A lot of people don't um, I've never had an issue with admitting to that I try to be uh, religiously and spiritually neutral on the show But this is a personal point Where I, 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 I will not uh, damn or deny anything That is the truth of me uh, and her leaving was one of the reasons why I now have to just approach things in a different way with a little bit more uh, uh, caring and with a little bit more caution. But I will say this, she is absolutely right. I love hard and I uh, I won't say hate, but I, when I don't have need for certain things, I don't, I just don't anymore. And, um, you know, I can't recover her, but I can live in such a way that is uh, 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 a legacy and a, um, a tr- an attribute to her being my mother. I was blessed to have such a mother. I, I have people who told me that they didn't have the type of relationship with their mom and lost their mom or their dad, but I, I'm just glad that I took advantage of how she did care for me. And in particular, the class of my graduating class of 1991, the Moscow High School class of 1991, was extremely, extremely uh there and present in in this time of loss for me and my sisters and the rest of my family. It was something that just I did not, I I mean, I don't, you don't expect anything except for the things that you have to do in a situation like this, but it was very warming for um, them to be present. I've had such beautiful conversations with people since that time, almost, Timely, just so perfectly it, I couldn't have ordered it myself It was absolutely And I think it is still the order For me to have received So much uh, love and support From people, particularly a few people I want to mention Just because I can <laughs> And you know, and it's not to take away From others, it's just to say That this is just the truth of, of, of Where I have found myself Personally in the last Um we're going to say 20, today is 27 days, because on the 30th of this month would be exactly a month of my losing my mother, Miss Jimmy Ruth Cooper. Special thanks going out to Angela Chapman, Let Low, who is a resident of Atlanta, Georgia. She's been extremely present. And, and I would have to say, in honesty, not just in this moment, but on a constant with me and a lot of the things that I've had to endure, uh, not being a relative of mine, not even in the same 
same graduating class as me. We did go to the same high school, but she was just very present, and I want to thank her for that. Jane Sixpin, another person who did graduate school with me and who, too, lost uh, uh, his mom uh, several years back. And we it's, it's, it's odd when people are able to just connect at a point where it doesn't feel stress uh, and the um, the necessity of them being there and the need for me to have them there was obvious, and I didn't have to solicit that he was there. And he had very encouraging words for me uh, just a couple of uh, days ago, and it was uh, extremely powerful for me to hear some of those things. Uh, others included are Myra Nettles Howard and Greg Jackson. They have just kind of unfolded me, checking on me, and it kind of feels funny you know, because I feel like I'm saying some things that I've said before when absolutely um, words and everything is just different for me now. To say that I'm okay or to say that things are all right for me are just almost, you know, it's like when people have complained about you just saying good morning when the morning is absolutely horrible. But I appreciate the thoughts and prayers of everyone who has kind of like rolled this out with me and my family. And uh, I do understand, you know, that death is something that happens to everybody, whether it's something that you're anticipating or something that's tragic, as in this case. Uh, but it never feels personal until things happen right up close and in your face, until it's something that you can identify with. And I will say I have never experienced such a loss. I thought the hardest thing that I had ever gone through was my divorce. And then I thought back further and thought that it was my having been a victim of domestic violence, I also went to just having to start, literally start your life over, and that pales in comparison to an absolute, uh, complete removal of everything in your life. And, you know, I can understand now um, how people can say words don't really have uh, weight uh, in instances like that because I could feel people really trying to reach to me and I just couldn't get there. I just couldn't get it. I still know that I have a, a, a long way to go and it's every day now that I can see or, or say or do something and in that I can find my mom and I hope that what I am doing is of purpose and it does have a positive effect on um other people's desire to at least have communications and talk that um, does help. Um, I tried really hard not to talk about, or I didn't really want to talk about death, but death is just what it is. It's just as real as birth. Uh, it is a happening that changes every bit of your life, and it is as final as birth is evident of, of a beginning. It just depends on how you decide to uh, experience those happenings. Um, I have decided um, that I cannot let um, my life stop. I do, and I did promise that I will take care of myself prior to, you know, any of this happening. You know, I live away from my, my mom and, and my sisters, and one of the things that I worry is that she worried about me when I didn't want to worry about me because I was pretty much, I thought, okay. But when I look back, the evidence of her knowing 
how much she uh, contributed to just me. Uh, my sounding board is gone. Like Sundays are absolutely uh, horrible for me. Um, uh, it's just difficult because there is any little thing. If I didn't like my nail polish matching my hand polish or my toe polish or I didn't like my hair or I was feeling sad about being single and by myself, my mom was the person that I talked to and I did not realize that until um, it was gone. Um, I took full advantage of that uh, while she was here, but it is like, um, it makes you feel like, what do I do now? And I know that I still have the availability of of love and, and people and circumstances and situations and relationships, but I know, too, that no other relationship will be able to compare or even come close to being a substitute for who and what I had and my mom, and I'm just glad to have had her as long as I have. Uh, so I do want, I did want to say that. I didn't want to just jump into the show because I'm not sure that I even have my mojo the way that I feel about it because the the topic tonight is about death. The topic tonight is about finality and how, you know, there are so many questions that come with what you do know in, in a natural death as I have just experienced. Um, there are just Every everything that you do has another pop up question. It's like a never ending scenario, and there has to come a point where you get to uh, being, you know, tired. Uh, I entitled the show just in passing, and some of my organization just is going to have to get back into the groove of that of things being equal because when I looked on here and saw what I had put on uh, as a topic, it says Black Death on Nation Watch, and then on Facebook I had um, Are You Tired Yet? And the thing about this is that it's not some of the things that are happening in our world and happening in our lives, they it's always been there. It's always been happening. So take a quick little break, maybe play a song right quick, and then we'll come right back and try to get into this topic because it does involve um, some real talk. It does involve some real uh, realness that may not have met your doorstep yet but we we've been talking about this for almost three years now and the names are just changing the cities are changing the circumstances are changing but the at the end of the day we're still experiencing an excited amount of death and i'm talking about unnecessary death youthful death death that has taken a toll on our community and has is actually making a dent in our future as well we're not talking about persons who have lived their lives fully completely and without incident uh, like my mom whose natural death took her away from us we're going to talk about the other end of the spectrum which is just as devastating so we'll be right back I hope you learn 
learn to make it on your own And if you let yourself, just know you'll never be alone I hope that you get everything you want and that you chose I hope that it's the realest thing that you ever know Hope you get the pretty girls that's pretty at everything Million dollar cribs having million dollar dreams And when you get it all, just remember one thing Remember one thing That one man could change the world could change the world All I, all I wanted was a $100 million and a bad chick Imagine this a Muslim nights it felt like that I had it Back on the mattress, staring at the ceiling Try connecting dots, but it's all making those attachments I'm talking dreaming so hard, some nights it felt like draft day You know, my... My stepbrother used to flip them bags outside the crib like it was trash day. No Kim K, but he bagged, yeah, yeah. But when you get it fast, money slow down, don't crash. With all the drive in the world, swear you still need gas. Look, think about it. Close your eyes, dream about it. Tell your team about it. Go make million dollar schemes about it. Success is on the way, I feel it in the distance. Used to look up at the stars and be like, ain't too much that's different. I be shining, they be shining. Get you one shot, don't you miss it. What you know about waking up every day like you on a mission and I hope you learn to make it on your own And if you love yourself just know you'll never be alone I hope that you get everything you want and that's what you're Hoping that's the realest thing that you ever know Hope you get the pretty girls as pretty as everything Million dollar careers have a million dollar dreams And when you get it all just remember one thing Remember one thing One man could change the world One man my grandma told me if you write your name in stone, you'll never get the white out. I grinded out that black hole and performed up at the White House, standing next to Jim Carrey. We traded stories and laughed. I said, You're not the only one I know got rich wearing masks. Where I'm from, I swear they broke. They need way more than the cash. We need more than what you have, and then we need more than that. But how am I supposed to say I'm tired? If that girl from West Virginia came up in conditions that I could survive. Went to war, came back alive. On top of that, became a female black captain. When being black, you had the extra, extra try. Way before James Brown made us proud. She bought a crib on the same street as Marvin Gaye. Right there on how to drive. And she taught me how to drive. And she raised the kids, then the kids' kids. And she did it right. Taught me how to love. Taught me not to cry When I die, I hope you teach me how to fly All my life you've been that angel in disguise And I hope you learn to make it on your own And if you love yourself, just know you'll never be alone I hope that you get everything you want and that you chose I hope that it's the realest thing that you ever know I hope you get the pretty girls as pretty as everything Million dollar cribs, seven million dollar dreams When you get it all, just remember one thing Remember one thing That one man can change the world One man can change the
even though the empire was born out of my personal experience and endeavors, the Empress welcomes everyone into the empire. If you would like to be a guest, a co-host, or simply want to suggest a topic to be discussed, contact me by email at empresscooperdavison at gmail.com or by my website at www.theempress.com. I'm here. I'm you. Okay, we're going to get into the topic tonight, and tonight's topic, of course, was led out of the Sandra Bland case, and unless you have not watched television, logged on, listened to the radio, lived in Chicago or any other major city in the last mm, week, I can't even believe you wouldn't know the name, but some other names you may not know, names like Kendra James. Names like Megan Hockaday, Miriam Carey, Chantel Davis, Yvette Smith, Kendra Chapman, Kimberly Lee King. Of course, Sandra Bland has hit the headlines like uh, Mike Brown did, and I think that she has become the poster child for the slaughter of black women in our criminal justice system. So with me having to see this and having to see her name consistently on every news feed, every tweet, every anything, um, for the last at least 15 days, I had to start and look and find some type of statistic that would make this untrue, that it was common because this is a suggestion. The suggestion is is that people who are incarcerated die more frequently by suicide than any other uh, method of death or reason for death uh, in the United States of America. Now, first, I had to first know why we were incarcerating women for certain types of things. And, And to be honest, there is nothing really online that has addressed the the incarceration or the uh, the being detained of Sandra Bland. That is actually the same truth for the aforementioned women. A lot, a lot of these women did have uh, some issues with, you know, being in altercations just today. I mean, literally just today I came across my news feed of another woman who was arrested on this past Friday, July the 24th. Her name is Rakinia Jones. She's 37 years old, was arrested on Friday after a dispute with her husband at his workplace. Now, the news reported that she had been having issues with her uh, husband, went to his workplace. The police were called. She was detained and taken to jail July, Friday, July the 24th. That's this past. On Sunday, the 26th, yesterday, she was found dead in the Cleveland Heights jail. There are circumstances that are extremely similar to the same happening of Sandra Bland, where the incident has been called uh, uh, un- un- unexplained. Uh, she did have an autopsy on today, and the cause of her death death has not been yet released. So they're not saying yet that she has committed suicide. But in all of these other cases, that is exactly the point. Now, when I first decided to do this show, I had information that was related to a case that was actually here in Birmingham, Alabama, but in another city in Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama that is called Homewood, Alabama, and it is an affluent area. It actually is an area that used to be more affluent than most 
areas here in the Birmingham area, but uh, 18-year-old by the name of Kendra Chapman um, was pronounced dead after having been taken to jail for first-degree robbery. Now, when we're talking about these other two women, these women, and if we are to general, and I have to generalize just to get through the show, but uh, these women committed crimes that are offendable to social uh, productivity, and in essence, they should have been arrested, they should have been detained, they should have gone to jail. Sandra Bland, I'm not so sure that that even meets to this. But this 18-year-old uh, was said to have not her family, uh, different supporters of the Black Lives Matter locally here, protested to the jail, went to the jail, made a big ruckus about what was going on, and after autopsy, the family themselves actually uh, have video of what actually happened to her, and she actually has been uh, shown the full video has not been released, but the family and the attorney representing the family do understand and have admitted that this child did take her own life in a jail cell. Now, since then, there has not been a whole lot of talk about that, but even in a Jennings City jail over the, that same weekend, actually in St. Louis, Missouri, a 26-year-old man came to those same uh, types of injuries, and the, the list really just goes on and on. I wanted to know if this is something that just happens on a regular or if this is something of a spike in the way things happen. So first I wanted to look into the numbers and see what the numbers had to say just about, you know, institutions of incarceration of women versus those of men. Now, when you look at the definition of incarceration in the jail and prison systems, I didn't first, I didn't know a whole lot about it because I didn't know that there was a difference between going to jail and going to prison. But there actually is. There are differences in those two, and it has to do with the difference in sentencing. If sentencing is over a year's worth of days or what they have in most statutes, 364 days or more, it meets the capabilities of being a federalized crime or you're subject to be able to serve your local crime in a federal prison. But jails are run locally. They're run by uh, areas, sometimes even um, counties. They're run by the sheriff. And they're really a governmental agency that has given the ability to a non-accredited and a non-federal um, system of incarceration for that local area. So, for instance, there are some things that you could probably be uh, arrested for and jailed in a local area that wouldn't be a federal type of incarceration. Whereas when a when the feds get you or the state representative, uh, the governor or a state regula uh, regulating body like a federal system arrests you, and, or you have time or are committing crimes that have more lengthy stays, you serve federal time and that's considered prison time. Now I didn't know that there was 3,600 jails in the United States. That's just the jails, and we're talking about the little bitty ones that are run by these individual cities and counties and groups and sheriffs, and that only 3% of those types of jails have any type of accreditation. So they basically get to make up how they want to treat you, what you get to do. They make up their own rules. There's no real brand on how that goes. But in, in, in hold, all of that is done with the criminal in mind, having always been male. 
I won't say African-American male, even though we're the the highest uh, race of people incarcerated, but that, that is the truth. That that is the truth. When it comes to the policies and procedures and what it takes to create a jail, those types of considerations are made in the pro of male. So women are going to jail as well. And if you want to know how many women, I can believe the statistic. It says that since 2010, uh, the jails have included to as many as a million women behind bars. Now, this is a collective number that is different from how some of the numbers are separated out. But, of course, you know I love the CDC. I love going onto their website. I love looking at their stats and seeing exactly how those numbers differ, how those people are different, and how those reportings are different. And the truth of the matter is when you look at the statistics, the number of women in prison, has increased by 646% between 1980 and 2010, and it includes both the jail and the federal system. Uh, And that is inclusive of people who are serving prison time, you know, that long time, jail time, that under a year time, probationary period, and parole. So anybody that's under the supervision of the criminal justice system is considered in these numbers. Other startling fact is that over a million women are in jail. One in 19 are black, one in 45 are Hispanic, one in 118 are white women. So we still are the overwhelming majority of, of raced people behind bars. And when you go even further into this, you know, Sandra didn't meet a lot of the criteria that have to do with why these women are in jail, but she actually meets a statistic because most women who are in jail are in jail on nonviolent offenses. It has usually nothing to do with violence, the use of firearms. It usually is because of drug uh, trafficking in a conglomerate, which means that they're not doing it individually. They've been linked to some other body of, uh, you know, misappropriation or whatever. They're related to something else, and they end up going to jail or the sale or the illegal sale or a, a theft of property. Those are the two main categories that women fall into. Now, it. Once I realized how many women are in jail, how many black women particularly are in jail, and how many of these women are actually the heads of households, it explains a lot as to why there are so many children who have their have their platform to head that very same way, particularly African-American children. And then when you go into the realm of, okay, you're in jail, you're in jail for a reason, and you're supposed to be there, even though we're talking about people who not necessarily should have died, but they got to jail legitimately by certain types of, you know, acting out. They were doing something that they should not have been doing. It does not equate to suicide. So I wanted to look at that statistic, and I'm telling you, the Bureau of uh, statistics, judicial statistics, and special reports, you can put in any type of factor you want to, and you would be surprised at the information that you get because everything supposedly is reported. Now, whether they're telling the truth or not, I don't know. But what I will say is this, is by just putting in the category of suicide 
in state and local jails, I was it, it's, it's unbelievable. And it also separates out deaths in those situations by all causes and specific causes, and then it can make a comparison between all causes versus suicide. Now, when we got into these, and, and, and for anybody who doesn't understand what suicide means, that means you're intentionally trying to take your life. I'm not talking about accidental death. We're not talking about you were ill. We're not talking about you were killed by another inmate. We're not talking about you overdosed or some type of, you know, something that was unbeknownst to the people who arrested you and you came to those things. We're talking about people who take their lives themselves. Now, this has to be a subjective fact because it is what is reported by these unregulated and unaccredited systems of government. And I'm saying it that way only because we have to rely on these same people to be telling us the truth, which I think therein lies the problem. The way that Sandra Bland, the way that Megan Hockaday, Kimberly King, Kendra Chapman, and all of these other deaths were reported were through the same agencies that locked them up. The coroner, uh, the DA, uh, the persons who represent that jail are at the very liberty of explaining this death in a public fashion. So we're really asking who possibly could be the perpetrator to tell us how these people are uh, succumbing to death when they go in uh, virtually healthy. Now, when I looked at the statistics and put in those parameters, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. Like in two, like we, it went back as far as 2000 to be, you know, fair. I wanted to get a range between then and now. And in 2000 to 2002, uh, the all causes, other causes of death were intoxication, accident, homicide, AIDS, and illness, and then the unknown. The overwhelming majority of deaths has always been high and has always been reported as suicide when it comes to jail. So over 56% nationally, the cause of death, when it is not to natural causes and to known homicide, uh, accident, intoxication, and all of these other things, it's being ruled a suicide. So I think the natural practice for any agency when someone dies in that facility uh, has always been ruled suicide. It says suicide is the leading cause of death among jailmates and has been since 1983. And it does. And there. And the sad thing about it, or the scary thing about it, is it doesn't even differentiate between age. So we're talking about anybody who dies, whether you're 18 go to jail and you're 18 and you're dying or you're 99 and you're serving life uh, and on your first 48 hours in jail or however, you're, they're, they're calling this suicide. Now, it then further such, uh, such, uh, separates this down by state. And, baby, when we get down to these states, it gets scary because the numbers of deaths of prisoners uh, are separated into two columns, and it was just all causes of death. Oh, actually, three, I'm sorry. All causes of death, suicide, and homicide. So you still have murders that are happening in jail, but the numbers of homicide 
pale in comparison to the number of suicides. And these are non uh, lethal sentences. These are people who are very well expected to come out of the system. Um, the average length of stay for some of these deaths are two years at the highest, but out of 100,000 prisoners per capita, it's saying at least 5%, uh, no, at least 25% of those prisoners succumb to suicide. And that, that's a that's a lot. That's like a quarter of the people who actually go in. Out of every four people who go to jail and are expected to come back out, somebody go in there and never comes out. Now, when we start looking at uh, uh, it by the coast, it's got north, east, midwest, southern, and western. Overwhelming majority of people in the south die by suicide in jail. The highest that's listed for the years 2001 to 2003 is, and let me see, it is Maryland, has an average of 13 deaths a year by suicide. Followed behind that is Florida. Followed behind that is Georgia. Uh, And actually, I misspoke because Texas has an average of 49 deaths per year incarcerated by suicide. Now, if we, I mean, it, I, I'm not making this up. If you want to go to the, let me give you the Bureau of Justice Statistics Special Report. This is a report that was made uh, nationally publicated from 2005. It was the most recent and the most current of reporting with that date range. And I try, I was hopeful that there was like a slight decrease because there's an increase in the way people commit crimes these days, but the truth is is right here. Texas, 49 average deaths by suicide a year collectively for the state that are absolutely ruled as suicide. I think we have a problem. And, 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 and when you look at this, it's talking about deaths across the board. It's not talking about uh, female deaths to male deaths. It even gets even specific into the cities and states. Um, I'm trying to find that state because when I saw this, I just had to relook again and I moved the date range up. And it says very clearly that in the counties of Travis County, Texas, in the county of El Paso County, Texas, where is that other Texas? Tarrant County, Texas, they have an unusually high amount of persons who go into the jail system and who don't come out. And these are the. It doesn't separate why these people are uh, uh, are incarcerated. There's another statistic that says that the suicide rate of violence is about a violent inmate, people who supposedly commit suicide and are also admitted into these facilities because of violent behavior. Um, from 2000 to 2003, 93% um, of those uh, suicide deaths were from violent offenders. But nonviolent, uh, non, they come in here and ain't got nothing to do with violence. Maybe they just stole something at the grocery store and they're dying because of suicide, 31%. Like that's, that's kind of high. That really doesn't even make any sense. They broke it down even further, and, and the statistic is just there. Ain't, ain't no way to even, 
you, there's no need to keep reading into that. People are going into jail for the option of rehabilitation. That is supposedly what the jail system is. I had this back and forth a little bit because I have been trying to not be so social uh, internet network negative. And I was speaking with uh, one guy who said that people were just being a little bit extra sensitive just because this was a black woman who was dead, that we needed to get off of it and and give the chance for people who uh, are actually pushing themselves towards being, you know, mistreated. Uh, this was surprising to me because it was a black male who advertises himself to be very much a black power advocate and a person who is sensitive to the black struggle. But he said that maybe if she had not have said so much, she would not have ended up in jail, i.e. she never would have ended up dead. And while we're talking about this um, um saying a little bit about the officer. No, nobody's really even saying anything other than an officer arrested her on the scene, but he has not in any way, shape, or form been associated with this death when, to me, I think it's a cause and effect. Like, had she not ever been arrested, uh, this w- could not have happened had she not even been arrested. But she was in the jail for three days and was found dead shortly after. The officer the history, and see, that this is also a common finding. The people who are related to law enforcement in most of these issues have such short tenures in law enforcement that it makes me think that we're, we're giving guns and badges to people who are not equipped to handle the public, whether they're out of control or not. You can't, the, we wouldn't have a police system if we had a lot of law-abiding people, so we can get over that point. But when you do know that you got some people who are going to break the law, you cannot then assign people who are willing to go toe-to-toe with them a gun and a badge to kill because that's probably, you know, what's going to be said of this officer. The officer's name is Brian Insignia. He um, was going to charge Sandy Bland with third-degree felony assault because she kicked him, supposedly. I never saw the kick, okay? I, I never saw the kick. I watched the whole video, never saw it at all. Uh, it is said that he was an arresting officer, and he had been an officer with the police department after having served the majority of his career's period with Blue Bell Ice Creamery from 2008 to 2014. He was a supervisor for Blue Bell Ice Cream, and then he was a chief fire department um, uh, representative from 2009 to 2013 in the Brenham County of Texas. From there, he became a public safety officer, and actually he was just acting in an, uh, in the order of a courtesy officer that day. He's been on the job a little bit over a year as a police officer, and there are some protocols that they're saying sh- that have been broken, and on those breaks, we can then go into a place of finding fault with how uh, we eventually have uh, um, a day of black female in the jail system. Now, I want to open up the lines to anybody who wants to talk about this because I don't know really 
I don't know really if we can go all the way back to the scene of the crime, which that crime scene in actuality is in a jail cell because we don't know anything that happened in there. All we know is we've seen some Internet pictures. We've seen some videos of the response to um, that happening. We know that there has been some aided video in the um you know, media that they released some tapes just as they did with Mike Brown that were admittedly, supposedly not related to her death, but it was it was used to character assassinate. So I don't know how you feel about that. I want to go ahead and open up the line. Looks like we got a couple of callers on hold, and if you don't want to talk, just let me know. Um, this is a show where we just talk about it, we talk about it, we learn about it, and we hopefully leave with a little bit more knowledge than we came on the line with. But uh, Our first caller, 9124. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I am. Good to hear you, Empress. Um, first of all, first of all, um, the whole thing with Sandra Bland, what you witnessed was uh, the overseer that worked for the slave master uh, who dares any black person that he runs across on the street to talk back to him because he feels like he possesses the power to be able to put you in your place one way or another. That's what you witnessed right there. And anybody who thinks that she could have said something different or done something different to make a different outcome is just as cowardice as the slave that went and told that the other slaves were planning on leaving. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing out here on these streets has been going on through history for a long time. And a lot of these uh, police officers feel like they have the badge and the gun. And if you don't do what they tell you to do and comply, even if you do comply in some cases, you're still going to get mm-hmm. it. Now, as far as suicide in jail, uh, you have to realize that um, that's that it's not that many people killing themselves in jail. There's no way. I sat on a jury years ago here in DeKalb County where somebody died in jail. We have to start checking these corrections officers and a lot of people that run the jail system because they don't have to really answer to anybody. That's a, that's a huge business. And anybody that's interested in learning more is a book called the new Jim Crow, everybody should get it. It explains and breaks down a lot, but I don't personally believe that many people killing themselves in jail. And the media, last thing, the media is a tool and a weapon. It gets used at wartime. It gets used at peacetime. We need to be real careful about what we let the media put in our heads. Now, when you say that you that this was an overseer's way to show who was in power. Are you saying that that's the equation to her death, or were you just saying that was just a show of power out there on the streets and ultimately something else happened that caused her both? It was both. This young lady obviously knew her rights. She obviously knew the law. She probably knew the law better than that gentleman that pulled her over. Um, she voiced her opinion out there when she was getting pulled over. She said some things that they should have listened to. And obviously when she got to the lockup and when they were processing her, she voiced those same, you know, questions. And she obviously voiced her rights and her opinions there too. 
Uh-huh. What you have to understand when I say overseer, I mean there was there used to be a slave master in the big house. He wasn't going down getting dirty and and cracking the whip uh-huh. and chasing slaves. He had an overseer to do that. And and uh-huh. those overseers are called policemen nowadays. Uh-huh. And that's what we're seeing. But we we have to look out for each other. And black men, we have to treat our women better if we want to see them treated better. Well, I, I know oh, that man. I saw, I saw that video, and I, I, I you know, I, I had this other conversation with a friend of mine, and I think he must be in a law enforcement because I'm not, I, I really don't care that he was a police officer. I just care that he's a first responder on the scene, and there is a code of action. When you are in those positions, I'm by no means a police officer. I've never acted as a correctional anything, but as a nurse, we act as if we are first responders as the same as a police officer. And you have got to have the craft of being able to, if you're going to respond to the need of anybody or correct the way of somebody, and his is on the road, ours is in the healthcare field, you have to have an art of de-escalating. There are people who say that he had every right to pull her out of the car because once he makes a command to her that she, and she didn't comply, that at that point she was uh, defying a lawful order. I, I, I don't really see it in that way because I don't know what order he had the right to give her inside of her vehicle on his admission to a third degree, uh, whatever. It was some yeah. some type of charge he wanted to give her for. It wasn't even about that charge. It was about a failure to signal. Yeah. Well, I think he took it too far. He let his personal feelings mm-hmm. get involved. Um, once he tried to demand certain things of her, he still had an opportunity to de-escalate that. But you've seen it happen in a lot of other situations. The policemen here, once they make a command and they order you to do something, whether you're a threat to them or yourself or anybody else, they obviously have been trained to do whatever it takes to apprehend you and drag you or do whatever it is to put cuffs on you and drag you in. Now, that's that's not necessary in every case, especially if nobody is a threat. If he, he could have waited 30 minutes and let that situation calm down before he, you know, continued to just raise his voice and escalate it more and more. You know, it's all about choices. You're supposed to be the professional. Uh-huh. You know, I could see if this person was intoxicated or if this person was driving erratically if this person showed some kind of threat to you or whatever, but it was just totally unnecessary. Well, I know that there were some, um, there were some video, there was some still photography from what looked like a video, and there have been people who have been posting some of the most disturbing things online of her in what is obviously um, jail uh, orange orange uh, outfit or or suit um, that are up for question. There are a couple of posts that have to do with why she doesn't have on civilian clothes for her booking. There are also some questions as to whether or not she was already 
dead in one of the photos and if it had not been manipulated. There are extreme questions about those sorts of things that I don't even know if that makes a difference as much as being able to determine a real cause of death. Now, what has been exposed is that, and one of the things that was kind of creepy, she has a sister by the name of Sharon Cooper, which happens to be my real name. It scared the hell out of me when I saw that. I had a sister that was on CNN who told CNN that in the preliminary autopsies, that her sister had suffered deep tissue bruising in her back. And one of the very things that she said on the videotape is that she could not feel her arm and was cursing him back after having been slammed to the ground. Uh, other information that was is that they could not find anyone or anybody else who had gone into that cell or into the hallway who could view her um, at any time during the time she had to have supposedly self-inflicted this asphyxiation. The only thing that they could attribute her asphyxiation to was a plastic trash bag. Now, they said she was found in the jail on July the 13th after she had hung herself with this plastic trash bag. There were no cameras inside the cells. There are cameras in the hallways, but it showed no one entering or leaving before her body was discovered. And so they put those two facts together, supposedly those two facts together, and said that she had been found having self-asphyxiated uh, and said that she took her own life, where there's a time discrepancy between a phone call that she made, and also a receiving phone call into her cell by the sheriff's office, which prompted someone to go in, I think, and check her. There, There's just some things that just don't really add up. Now, her sister actually said this, to know Sandy was to love her. She was someone who was extremely spontaneous, funky, outgoing, truly filled with life and joy. She thought through the circumstances of her life, and when she went through those circumstances, she shared those with us, and this is unimaginable. She would not have killed herself. Um, then really after her sister made it public, that whatever they were going to do as an institution, whatever their protocols, even if they don't have a requirement or an accreditation to have those, they tried to introduce uh, some sort of psychiatric behavior or issue with her, and they said, this is what they said, they said that she had depression and that she probably either had that or PTSD because on her intake, which is just a computerized form where you check yes and no, which could have been forged, but they said that she had uh, depression. Now, when you look into the history, though, and what the family has let the world know is that Sandra Bland had miscarried a child and made uh, had gone through a loss that um, she did admit to feeling like she wanted to die. Now, whether or not she attempted to kill herself, that has not been said. It's been insinuated. And a lot of people have taken that little bit of information and run with it. Even so, even so, it makes 
to me, and it makes more sense to me that in in my head that if you know that you have someone that is unstable, then you can't put them in general population. Then you're moved to make some extra precaution because it's written down on paper on the intake that she's at a higher uh, risk. But that obviously was not done. So if anything, there's some liability somewhere. I, I'm not sure if the world at large is going to be uh, satisfied with accepting that maybe she did uh, harm herself. There's going to be in uh, one of these, uh, like one of these cases where you never, you never get to the bottom of what really happened. And pe- people are not satisfied unless there's an identifiable uh, victim. Just today, I think it was today, I wrote it down, but I can't find it right now. Just today, there was a rampage of people outside the home of this officer. Now, I will say this, I, I you know, and I'm I'm not that soft and I'm not still grieving to the point where I'm intolerant. I like to make sense about whatever you are going to do. I don't really see the significance of trying to make miserable every day of this man's family and life. I can see going to the jail every day and chanting outside of the jail. But to go into this man's community is just going to raise the bar and, and, and risk level of someone stepping out of term and out of line even higher. I, I can see it very clearly. We say a year, uh, a couple of years ago, we we started doing these shows. I think it was initiated by Trayvon Martin, and then it went to Mike Brown, and then it became Eric Garner. That this was a trend. This is what this is what happens when you have someone willing to stand firm, whether in the wrong or not, against an organized institution of authority. I think it's the same truth with regard to women. I think our colleges even said that this is just how um, the government has acted with regard to training people to act a certain way or be in a certain space with regard to uh, those who they're coming to to the service of. But I, I still have to say this. If you are in a place where you are um, you are being responded to and you are being helped, you have to be the bigger body of, 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 of action. You can't stoop to the same level. And one, one of my friends even said that, you know, cops are human too. You have to give them the ability to be human because they're human too. You can't expect that they're going to be able to take all this. And I absolutely, actually, I do. I expect that if you are a, a gun owner uh, and you're hired with the city as a representative of the protective power for that area, yeah, I think that you need to act a little bit with more uh, guard. 8952, are you there and can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. That's okay. Um, I want, hey, me, I want to know what you yeah, have to say me, about. I, I know who me is. <laughs> I know who he is. Appreciate you coming. I want to know what you have to say because I think you are a, uh, a resident of um, Texas. And after yes. reading some of the statistics with the amount of suicides alone statewide for the state of Texas, Texas has a history of reporting 
in the criminal justice system more uh, in jail suicides than any other state, and it's been that way for years. What do you think is the deal with the Sandra Bland case? Me personally, I feel like that there was some foul play in this, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion. Um, she just moved here from another state to get a job, start her life here in Texas or whatever. And in my, the way I feel about it, she, yeah, she mouthed off to this cop, and this cop decided, well, well I'm going to go ahead and make an example of this black bitch, point blank period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean... Mm-hmm. Um, the video footage that of showing the cell that she was in, there's time gaps in it. Mm-hmm. There's time gaps. They me they they tortured her. They tortured her and then strung her up. I don't care how anybody else sees it, how anybody else feels about it. Um, I know the the things, the insidious things that go on in my state. I live here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's certain cities that if you're black, you better not get caught dead in there. And see that that's that right there, like I, 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 that's the truth of Alabama. I think that's the truth of Mississippi. I think that's the truth probably of New York, uh, New Jersey, uh, Arkansas. I think we could go across the country and people don't want to speak to those truths and they want to say that we're being, uh, uh, we're being extra, that we're being sensitive and that this is just what happened. There was a a woman, I don't know because her, her page disappeared after she made a statement on her page on Facebook. And she said, this is what happened to loud mouth women. And I wanted to be able to get to the showtime and her still have her page and blow her ass up because I think that it's rude to act as if that this is an appropriate outcome, regardless of what someone says out of their mouth. Like, I, I just don't, I don't understand how, a human being of any race and any level of humanity can think that it's appropriate to say that um, allow this is what you get being a loud mouth woman. And I'm trying, I'm trying to find that particular uh, post because. But you know it, what? Let we're me not speak talk- on that real quick. Okay, um, Sharon. Mm-mm, go ahead. This is what 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 you get for being a loud mouth woman. That goes back deep in history. Um, where Caucasian women didn't didn't raise their voices to their husbands or whatever, per se. And truth be told, white men are scared of their women when black men actually celebrate our women, and they didn't like that about us. We are the actual backbone and the structure of the black community and of the black family. And they know that once we unify and come together as the powerhouse that we're supposed to be, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. They're doing everything that they can to annihilate us in every direction that they can. Children, our men, now our women, they do not want us to unify. She was an educated black woman. She um, was part of a sorority, which a close friend of mine knows her personally. hmm because they're, they're, they are part of the same sorority. Mm-hmm. 
So this hit all. This this is this this is like I, 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 I saw, and I'm not trying to bridge this to anything personal. But when when people start to know the victim or it gets this close to home, it makes you wonder because I promise, the day that um, Sandra Bland was found was I think a day after or maybe a day before this 18-year-old here in Birmingham, Alabama, was found. Now, at that time, they didn't know what had happened. It has been verified, and I think it's even been captured on video that this child took her own life. But the ability for someone to self-inflict that level of harm, you can hang yourself in jail. What are we really keeping jails open for if it's not really to secure you from hurting someone else because she was removed because she had committed robbery, this particular little girl. She had committed robbery and stole someone's phone, and so we remove you from the community so you won't hurt anybody else, but then we put you in a perfect place for you to hang yourself. Even if that is not the truth of what happened with Sandra, there should at least be some explanation as to what did happen. And I, I don't know how and that ain't there, ain't, there isn't any explanation as to what exactly happened. Remember I just stated, right. there are time gaps in that video footage. Mm-hmm. It's a big, substantial gap of time. They did something to her. Mm-hmm. You know, so what, do you this, this, do you think it's gonna come? To, do you think it's gonna come to? Because see, I always and, and and this is one of the things that my mom said. You gotta stop trying to make things black and white. But I think some things are black and white. Do you think it's gonna come to enough uh, white skin, blue eyed, blonde haired persons being killed in the same fashion or equaling it out for it to stop? Or if this is just a What's going to happen? Please, because please know this. Please know this. What goes in the wash will definitely come out in the rinse. Mm-hmm. It ain't gonna stay hidden long. It's so not what gonna we stay do? hidden do long. We... The truth will. Only thing in my, the way I view it, sit back and wait. Mm-hmm. Sit back and wait for it to come come to light. And then when it comes to light, then. We need to, uh, you know, act on making steps to make stuff like this stop. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't care how anybody I'm, feels on this circumstance, especially here in Texas. You know, Texas is nothing but a prison state. Texas has the most prisons mm-hmm. in the nation. Yeah. In do. the nation. And hush, puppy. But what eventually is going to happen, they're going to go here in my state alone. They're going to start just throwing people in for no reason just to kill them, get rid of them. And see, I, it, it's hard for me, you know, and I, I, I can't even act as if it doesn't to an extent make. Um, I don't know what other conclusion you can draw. I don't know what other conclusion you can draw when you're able to see this. I searched for uh, an explanation that's equal, and there is none. I looked particularly for any, in, 
you know, excessive numbers of uh, white uh, white men, white women, white children being arrested, being um, found hung in jail, and a lot of those statistics they're just not there. So I, I mean, it's all it's very hard to argue with what is an apparent truth and what is. I mean, it's it's there. I, I I don't know how to make it go away, and I don't think that it will go away. I think what is happening, too, is that we're being inundated with it constantly till we're becoming numb with it, and it doesn't even bother us. I posted another video later on today that someone sent to me, and they were telling me, um, you know, that this is not new. This is this has always happened. I mean, before Sandra Levy, before any of these other ladies died, we saw a, a guy actually survive the prison system for two years without even having any formal charges, and then come out and kill himself. So I don't know what the solution is, and I think that's where we need to talk because I think people are getting hung up with what what we're supposed to do. I don't know. Gonna take a quick commercial break and introduce our next show that's coming on Wednesday. This was a little bit of a reintroduction to myself and talk radio because uh, I have been gone for about a month and a half, and I wanted to be able to introduce something that is of current uh, expression and talk. And unfortunately, I think this particular topic is going to be just added to a stack of others that we've been stacking up for several years because everybody is focused on some things that we cannot, you know, that don't really change what the what is happening. I mean, I'm glad that everybody has an opinion and everybody has something to say about what has happened. But after that point, then what are we going to do? Uh, we'll come back and talk about those things and the effects that this has because that that's really – that's really where we are because we can talk about it until we're blue in the face and it's still going to leave. We're still going to have the hole that's there. Uh, Sandra's family still will have buried their daughter and sister. Um, that jail will still be incarcerating people of all races and all kinds. That police officer still can leave that county and go to another county and have uh, uh, the ability to do this same type of arrest. I mean, we saw, uh, we've seen even uh, Trayvon Martin's killer go from one county to the next county to the next county, wreaking havoc all over the state of Florida, and ain't nothing been done to change that fact. We want to talk about, uh, at the end of the show, just what we can do to uh, at least learn something from this tragedy, because if it's all just about the death and the details of how she died, Even though the Empire was born out of my personal experience and endeavors, the Empress welcomes everyone into the Empire. If you would like to be a guest, a co-host, or simply want to suggest a topic to be discussed, contact me by email at EmpressCooperDavison at gmail.com or by my website at www.TheEmpress.com. I'm here. I'm you. Well, I'll say this. I I will not even act as if this is uh, a loss that is easy to tolerate. Uh, It comes in lieu of the Charleston shootings. It comes right behind, uh, uh, right uh, before the shootings in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. 
people have become so accustomed to death, regardless of the form that it comes in, whether it's war, whether it's religious death, or whether it's incarceration, or this is just a judicial system that has just gone awry. Whether or not anybody answered to that death, I think we need to look at one particular statistic where the majority of African-American homes are headed by single women. And if we're incarcerating women uh, at the same rate as we are incarcerating men, and women are now becoming and falling victim to the same types of deaths and situations as our men, the equal to that is that we don't exist. I mean, some people say, oh, that is so extreme, but it is exact. That's just, that's just equilibrium type of equaling things out. Um, you cannot keep incarcerating black men and black women, killing black men and black women, erasing and them disappearing and mysteriously falling off the face of the earth and think that it somehow is going to even out. Um, the birth rate of black men and black women are not even the same as they were 20 years ago. Uh, Planned Parenthood is focused at removing the possibility of procreation in these communities. So for, if people don't understand the bigger picture to this, we are in trouble. When you bastardize millions and millions of boys and girls to a system that is not even meant for them, then you're officially just uh, euthanizing your own community. Uh, we're not having children. We're not building families. We're just dying. And it's almost as if we're watching this happen without any uh, effect. It's Stockholm effect. Like we know and we're signing up for some of the most horrific happenings and nobody's really got any answers to it. I'm not sure that I have any answer. I do know that I won't I won't ignore that truth. I won't act as if I don't see that truth right in front of me and any action starts with at least uh an obvious identification of what the what the issue is. I don't care how calmly and respectfully you speak to someone, whether they have a badge or not, it should never equate to your death if you do or say something uh, that is non-lethal. Uh, we have buried a beautiful woman. We have buried a beautiful soul. I think that the family for her will grieve well past when the next victim and the most and the next horrific story comes about, but they will not soon forget who she was to them. And if you, I mean, she was on Facebook, she was on all social medias, she was very much in the public eye, and life was something that she loved. I I can't imagine that she would just decide over a simple traffic stop to then take her life. I just, it doesn't even make little sense. It's very uh, disrespectful to uh, anybody's intelligence just to say that without at least supply, supply the information. I think people could move on, 
uh, just as has happened with Kendra Chapman here in, in Homewood, Alabama. A lot of people didn't think that that could happen either, but with the proof of it being there, shown to the family, then, yeah, uh, you can be able to say that that's what happened. But until you prove it's true, I'm not sure that people are going to be able to just pick up and move on. They're just going to be stuck in that place, and I hope that not to be the case. On Wednesday, we're going to try this thing again. We're going to try to get back into the role of it. Uh, And we're going to talk about how you know when you're ready to have a relationship. I went to a marriage and family retreat this weekend, and it was very eye-opening to me. And a lot of people seem to think that they are just because they want are built for a relationship. I don't think that's the case. I think there's some very distinctive things that need to be uh, evidenced. Um, when you want to have a full relationship. And for some people, it is totally marriage. It is totally, i just got to be married. I don't have no children. I've never been married, blah, 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 and that is what they want. And you have every right to, to want that, but are you ready for it? I think that that's a discussion that should be a little bit lighter, but still informative. And I'm hoping to have some special guests for that show, but if not, we may have to move it out. Um, it's really really been um, a difficult show for me tonight just because it's just hard right now to share uh, truthfully the emotions that are in me and I'm still in a place of uh, disbelief. I ask you to continue to pray for me and my family that we recover from this loss in a way that is uh, um, gleaning and that has a positive uh, outcome with regard to the legacy of my mom. And I'm going to dedicate this last song to her. Um, uh, And just some of the things, uh, some of the words, and sometimes, you know, my mom's, one of the songs that I last sang with my mom was the grocery song. And people are like, oh, that's just horrible. But, no, the experience in just sharing things with someone is the truer meaning. I do, I'm a words person. You guys know I love words and I love music. But the experiences that you have are some that it's hard to, if you're not in that moment, to articulate. So when you're able to spend good time, have good word with people, do that because you never know if it's going to be your last time till I see you again. Damn, who knew? All the planes we flew, good things we've been through. That I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path. I know we love to hit the road and laugh, but something told me that it wouldn't last. Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture. Those were the days, hard work forever paid. Now I see you in a better place. See you in a better place. Ah. Uh. How can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you gon' be with me for the last ride. Been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it. Go 
watch your way in the vibe is feeling stronger with small turn to a friendship a friendship turn to a bond and that bond will never be broken the love will never get lost and when brotherhood comes first and the line will never be crossed established it on our own when that line had to be drawn and that line is what we reach so remember me when i'm gone can we not talk about family with family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you're gonna be with me for the last one. Let the light guide your way. Yeah. Hold every memory as you go. And every road you take will always be. Without you, my friend And I'll tell you all about it When I see you again We've come a long way From where we began Oh, I'll 